By the way, has anyone ever seen Rob like in mission mode? Like, yeah, like in full fledged, like missional, like, like I'm gonna go do this. Um, well, I have. <laughs> and you guys want to hear about my story with him? <laughs> so a couple of months ago, like he was saying, we met up, and that's where he was like, "Hey, you gotta come speak here." And I said, just choose two Sundays, put me on the spot, I'll take one, and we'll go with it. So we meet up at this, at this brewery in Moore Park called Emigrant, and we decide to go at opening time, because that place really does get busy, and so we show up at four, and we go there, and we're standing there, and we get a drink, and we're just straight into it, and we're just catching up, and we're telling stories, asking questions, and at about like 5.30, that place just starts humming. I mean, it's just like bustling, and... People are all over the place, and we realize that we need to re-up on our order. And so we leave our table, and we go to order another beer, and we're standing there looking at everything. And while we're, like, making a decision, um, some older gentleman comes and decides to snag our table, because it's free. And the only evidence that anyone was there was Rob's jacket on one of the the seats that he doesn't see. There's no other evidence. We've taken our glasses with us and all our belongings. And, and I'll confess, my initial thought was like, who's going to go and tell this guy that this place is taken? You know, like just in typical fashion. And so I'm thinking that, I'm looking at Rob, I'm just kind of like in my head, I'm thinking, you know, what, how are we going to play this? And he like nudges me, he's like, you know, let's invite that guy to have a drink with us and let's get to know him. And I'm like, uh, okay, dude, sounds good. <laughs> so we go over there in like super smooth mission mode. He's like, hey, my name's Rob and you want to join us? And um, the guy was there by himself. And uh, he actually seemed like a lonely fellow. He goes, uh, it's his hobby to go to different breweries and to just kind of try the different beers. And so, um, in a very short period of time, we're hanging out with him, and we're getting to know who he was, and what he did, and what he cared about. And, and then the conversation starts to pivot from him to Rob. And like, who is Rob? What does he do? What does he care about? <laughs> and it was a great example of what I call missional Incarnational living. It's like a really technical, missiological term, but really if I had to boil it down, what it means is, is right where you are, no matter who you're meeting, you're embodying the radical nature of Jesus Christ. Whoever you're encountering, right there, you're embodying that radical love. In this case, it was the radical love, the radical acceptance, and the radical hospitality that Jesus would have shown a complete stranger. That's what was going on in my mind, like theological nerd, thinking, you know, oh, oh look at this, oh, great example, missional incarnational living, oh, look, he's embodying the radical love, oh, acceptance. And, um, but it's a great example of how I think Jesus wants us to engage with other human beings. And when I look at the the scriptures that we're going to study today, we actually see a similar theme in John 3.16 and the verses that follow. 
that show that God, through his son Jesus, chooses to embody in the incarnation his radical love, his radical acceptance, his radical forgiveness, and his radical compassion over his creation. And in many ways, the big picture here and the big idea is that God is both missional and incarnational. It didn't come from you, something that we learn in Scripture. Um, but through this missional and incarnational impulse, as some missiological, uh, missiologists call it, God's whole goal here is to restore, reconcile, reunite, and redeem His creation. And so that's where I want to turn to the Scripture today. Um, there is a handout, and I will say this about the handout. Don't even look at that. Flip it over and take notes, because none of the things on there actually are, are any points in my sermon today. <laughs> it's like, um, and the reason why is I chose to do that and just kind of go upstream with this is because I don't want you to be distracted. I want you to take that with you and to dive deeper after my sermon and to look at it maybe later today, later this week, and to see, hey, can I go deeper? Not can I go deeper. Can I go deeper with what I learned and with what the Holy Spirit's doing in my life? So flip it over and take a few notes if you hear some sound bites that are really good. Um, the scripture for today is super fascinating to me for a couple of interesting reasons. Um, we all know that God's on a mission. And he goes to great lengths to fulfill that mission. He sends his only son. <laughs> great lengths. He comes to this earth in human form. And still, even though his grace is operating, even though he goes through these great lengths, it's amazing to me that human beings can still say no. They can still reject him, and they can still choose to deny him, and they can still choose something else. And so I want to take a look at the scripture, um, and I'm going to read this off the screen and just follow. I bolded a few things, underlined a few things. This is how I think when I read scripture, so I just chose to emphasize certain things. New Living Translation at verse 16 says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone or anyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. There's also some words that say whosoever. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. There's no judgment against anyone who believes in him but anyone who does not believe in him has already been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. There's a dichotomy there. We're going to break that open in a little bit. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved the darkness more than the light, for their actions were evil. All who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it, for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light, and this is the interesting part, it almost ties into the story of Rob, come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. This was the very first scripture I actually memorized. Probably another reason why I was like, oh man, I've known this scripture for 30 years. 
Um, when I was about six years old, the first scripture I learned in Sunday school and memorized by heart was John 3.16. And in the 30 years since, I've recited this verse thousands of times. While I'm driving my car, it just pops up in my mind while I'm at home. Um, while I'm doing something, it's just like, everywhere I go, I just see John 3.16. And because I've recited it so many times, because I've thought about it, um, maybe not on a very deep level, but I've, I've, I've had it in my brain for so long. I see it. I'm a very visual person. I see it in a very particular way. And so I want to show you, because I think it might help us understand what's happening in verse 16. And I want to show you how I see it in my mind. It starts like this. The love of God in verse 16. The first thing is that God loves. His very essence, his very nature is love. God is love. And his mission, the mission of God, is motivated out of his love. God loves the world. It's not only that God loves, but he loves the world. The object of his love and affection is the world. Number three, God loves the world with an unconditional affection so deep that it reaches the whosoevers. And I love this word or this phrase. It really is a, a simplification of the marginalized, or the outcast, or the people on the fringes, the whosoevers. It's not um, to an exclusive few. Um, when we look at the Gospel of Luke, one of the things that I love is that we see story after story of Jesus with the whosoevers. It's the, the leper that he touches and heals. It's the other ten lepers that he ministers to and heals. It's um, un the unclean woman and other unclean people that he heals. It's the children he spends time with. It's the tax collectors that he goes and, and, and talks to and then dines with and then spends the evening with other, what scripture calls other disreputable sinners. Um, it's just story after story of Jesus ministering and showing us that he came for the whosoevers as well. Number four, God loves the world with an unconditional affection so deep, so self-sacrificing that he gives his only begotten son. He goes to such great lengths because he loves us so much that he gives his son. And then the question I ask myself is, why? Why would he do this? And the text actually answers it. So that everyone, this is verbatim from the text, everyone who believes in him will not perish and have eternal life. This is in essence the gospel, the good news. This is the message. This is what Rob and, and guys like me are trying to tell our people or our um, our clan or our crowd or our group or our church to go and do. It's like, take this news, like this message. God loves, he loves the world. You know, like the whole thing. And go and embody Jesus. Take Jesus, be Jesus to the people you encounter in your everyday lives. And I want to try and break this open a little bit more with a few supporting scriptures as well. I think the Bible um, helps us kind of break this open, this whole narrative of the why and the what um, in more depth. And so I want to do that um, right here. The first thing that the Bible teaches us early on is that all people have sinned and they've strayed um, from following 
God's path to following their own path. It's like they've turned away from God, they decide to go their own way, go on their own path, and, and, and to just go away from Him. And Isaiah 53 verse 6 um, teaches us this, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We've left God's paths to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him, Jesus, the sins of us all. It doesn't get more clear than that. This is what's happening. This is part of the why. The Bible also teaches us that God wants everyone to be saved, right? Um, The whosoever's included. And that he's super patient. He's super patient. He's waiting because he wants as many people as possible to come and be a part of his family, to be restored, to be reconciled, to be reunited with him. And so um, we read this in 2 Peter 3, verse 9. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. I love this inclusiveness of God's plan or his mission. Scriptures also tell us that God grieves when people choose their own path or their own way, when they stray away from him. And when people choose to not believe in him or follow him, there's there's this imagery of God stretching out his arms, like reaching, saying, come to me, like, come, like, That's the image, and I found a scripture that beautifully paints this in Romans 10, and I think we should apply this not only to Israel, but to to us and the world we live in, is, but regarding Israel, God said, all day long I've stretched out my arms to them, but they're disobedient and rebellious. It's just that nature, that carnal nature that is in us, it's just super rebellious. Um, I see some of that in my kids. I know my son he just says no. He just chooses his own way. No matter what dad says, he's so defined. No! You know? I'm like, who teaches you this stuff? You know, but it's just in you. It's just in you. The Bible also tells us that God wanted to demonstrate his love, and there's a beautiful passage that really summarizes John 3:16. Through 21, and I'm going to read this from 1 John, and it says this, God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Uh, When I said God loves... Uh, and I, I painted that picture of how I visually see John 3.16. One of the things is that God loves first. Even though it's undeserving, unwanted, he loves first. And then finally here, um, to wrap this up, just kind of our little tour through the Bible um, on the narrative and, and the good news. As we read in the Bible that God did this for all people. I already keep echoing that in the Um, whosoever. But he did this for all people because he loves and wants to save all people regardless of race and gender and, you know, ethnicity and religion, religious affiliation, political affiliations, all people. And he sends his son, Jesus, into the world, not to judge, but to save the world. I'm going to read from, from Jesus, essentially, what he's saying. And we see these themes throughout John, but he says, whoever believes in me does not believe in me only but in the one who sent me. 
The one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. I've come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. And then later on in verse 47 he says, For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The reason I'm so like passionate or fired up or why Rob is passionate when we're thinking about, hey, what's the mission here? What are we doing? What are we accomplishing? Is we're passionate about sharing the good news for three simple reasons. And I don't have it on the screen, but just listen and take these notes. Number one, God loves everybody. Jesus died for everybody. And God wants to have a relationship with everybody. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. Um, There is a catch in there, um, whoever believes in him. But there's no ifs, ands, and buts. And the message is very simple. He loves you, he loves you, you know, he loves you, he loves us all. But more importantly, he loves them out there too. You know? It's a simple message. He loves you. And here's the fascinating and, and yet scary part of understanding or wrapping my mind around this good news is that God doesn't force this on us. It's not like uh, in the olden times um, with the conquistadors or whatever, and it's like complete coercion by the sword. It's like, believe or die. And, uh, you know, they didn't believe, you know. Like, he doesn't do any of that. Um, in fact, um, what's, what's interesting to me is that he gives us this freedom to choose, to say yes or no, to believe or to not believe, to follow his way or to not follow his way. It's very clear in the verses that follow verse 16 that he gives us, or gives humankind the choice to choose for him or not. Now, in theology, we believe that there's this grace that operates called prevenient grace, or it's the grace that comes before it's operating in you, and, and God's there. But he's not forcing anyone to pick this up, and we call that freedom the free will. I'm sure you guys are familiar with it. Um, C.S. Lewis taught this. He said, the greatest act of omnipotence was creating creatures or beings that could say no to God. They had the free will or the freedom to actually say no. That's the greatest like, form of power. And I have an interesting example of this from my own life, <laughs> from my son. We, um, man, at the age of three, it just seems like no is the, the word. Um, but we were having bath time upstairs a few weeks ago, and uh, my wife and I are upstairs, and, you know, we have this big bath in the master, and it, it has like a spout that comes out into the big tub, but then it also has the shower on top. It's kind of like a hybrid bath shower. And, you know, my son likes to get in, like, when there's like half an inch of water, you know, it's like, and he's in, he wants to get in, he wants to play. And so he's in there, and the water's running, it's just a normal night, everything's cool, and all of a sudden, he like goes over the spout, and there's this like little thing you pull, and you pull it up, like the water actually starts coming through the shower, it like transfers from the spout, to, you know what I'm talking about? the shower. And so he goes there and he like does it and you hear this like psh, like sound. Um, it's like about to do the transfer and I'm like hey, whoa, stop. Like, don't do that. You're going to get rained down on. Not a good idea. Like, don't do it. And But now he's like curious 
he's he's got like this um, enthusiasm, but he's like kind of like, hey, that was kind of interesting and fun, so I'm gonna go try it. I'm the parent who's very protective, and my wife's a little more like, go do it, like go try it. And what ends up happening is he goes back and he tries. He went from a toe dip to a foot dip. It was like, he pulled it up a little longer and he tried to scoot back before the water came down and you could hear the sound. It was like, but it didn't do like the full like transfer again. And I'm like, no, son, like, don't do it. And all of a sudden, you're like, do it. Do you remember this? Do it. Do it. And I'm like, don't do it. But in my mind, the way that I think is I'm like, this is interesting. Let's see what he does. Let's see the choice that he makes. Because he's offered one thing or another thing. And he can make a choice between the two. And in the end, he decided to pull it up. And it came down. Just like, it was so fun for him. He got like, a little wet. and um, It was like some excitement. Um, it seemed like a game to him. It was like super cool. It was actually one of those moments that you cherish, you remember. You're like, oh man, this is what life's about. But then, I think back on the freedom that God gives us. His way. Believe in Him. Be His child. Or your own way. Don't believe in Him. Um, Don't be His child. And essentially what it got me thinking to understand is that they're really your choices that you have turn you into the person that you become. And the scripture is very clear in the verses after verse 16 that there are two kinds of people. Dustin, pop this up here. Um, In verse 18 it says... There's those who believe in Jesus, and in verse 19 it says those who don't believe in Jesus. Can you um, go back to the, the whole scripture, like all the way up? Um, uh, yeah. It's like slide number two or something. I want to just show you guys where I see this. Start at verse 18 where the break is. There is no judgment against anyone who believes in him. First person. First type of person. But anyone who does not believe in him, the second person has been judged for not believing in God's one and only Son. We can go back to that. The two types of people. I think I actually got it wrong in my slide here. They're both in verse 18. So there's two kinds of person, those who believe and those who don't believe. Now, I told you I'm a very visual person, and so when I read the verses after that, verses 19, 20, and 21, I have this picture um, of... The two kinds of people, and I don't want to give myself credit for this. What actually happened when you told you, you were like, "Oh, here's the two choices." I'm like, "Ah, I can't make this one, so I guess I'm gonna to have to do this one." Um, I, I think I sent you an email like, "Okay, yeah, look, I'm, I'm ready." And I went to bed that night, and God like just gave me a full download, like in my brain. I was up on my phone like for hours, like just on my phone. Like God was just like just making, and I was like taking notes. I'm like, "I got a download," and uh, I went to bed and I woke up and I had more information. I quickly typed it down, put my phone down, woke up again, and the same thing happened. And here's the image I got in reading these uh, scriptures about the two types of people. And there's this, this dichotomy between the two people. And I'm going to start on the left. Uh, yes, on your left. 
Those who believe, the verses say, there's no judgment, they do what is right, they come to the light so that others can see that they are doing what God wants. And then there's the other people who don't choose. Those who don't believe, also in verse 18. And there's judgment. They love the darkness. They do evil. They actually refuse to go near the light because they fear that their sins will be exposed. And I want you to wrap your mind around this. There's this awesome news, this good news, and we looked at these scriptures about it. And yet, there's people all over the world that are forced with choice. And it's very clear what the paths lead to. And if you just look at that, and you read it, and you let it soak in, the verses are so clear, I didn't even want to like elaborate on a verse by verse, like, expositional, like, way, and like, you know, title, and stuff. It's like, I just need to lay it out like this, because... The verses speak for themselves, and they let us understand what's really going on. Um, we can go to a, a blank slide here. Our job, um, I don't want to just say this week, but your job this week, um, if I can give you homework, <laughs> and beyond, is to love to give, and to be sent in the same way in John 3.16 that God loved the world so much that he gave his only son and he did it not to condemn or judge the world but he sent Jesus, right, the, the third thing, so to love, to give, and to be sent. He sent Jesus to save the world. Understanding the two people groups, he sent Jesus to save. One of the last things Jesus said to his followers while they were cowering in fear behind locked doors was, as the Father is sending me, I'm sending you. And it's this image of a God who sends. He sends prophets, he sends Angels, he sends himself through Jesus. He sends his Holy Spirit. He sends his disciples. He sends us. He's a God who sends. And when we understand what God has done, when we understand the landscape, I think it becomes easier for us to live out our sentness and to embody Jesus where we go. Just what Rob was doing. I, I'll wrap up with this story. I... Uh, I was at work this week, um, and a buddy of mine who I work with, and he's, he's a great musician, he leads worship at his church, and he plays a lot of local gigs by himself and with his band, and he's always pushing on social media like his sound, so that people will become interested, and he says to me on Monday, he's like, hey, uh, the weirdest thing happened to me um, last night. Um, I'm just like on my computer, I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, I got this, uh, this thing on Facebook from a guy who reached out to me. I don't know who he is, but he 
he basically said this, and he like pulls up the, he starts explaining it to me, but I'm like, just pull up the message, you know, I'm like in the middle of Monday, you know, and he starts reading me the message, and it's from a dad who's reaching out to him, says, I love your music, I've heard you, I've heard you play, I've listened to you online, and I'd like to ask you a favor, can you please play at my son's memorial? And uh, he died last week, and we were having a memorial for him on Thursday. And um, he was a musician, similar sound to yours. Loved the Beatles. Um, please, please, can you consider playing? But then the the message, like the note, took an interesting turn. He said, "But I want to forewarn you. Like I'd love for you to do this, and I'd, I'd even kind of give you some some money to do it um, as a gift. But it's going to be very hard." Because um, my son overdosed, and he has a couple of kids, and he, he was a separated family, so his, his ex-wife will be there, and, and um, everyone's super shocked and so abrupt, so uh, please consider to let me know. So he's telling me this, reading the message, and he's like, what should I do? And um, I was just like, well, you know what you're going to do, right? <laughs> you got to go. You've got to love, you've got to give, and you've got to be sent. And you've got to be there in this difficult situation. And so he, Thursday afternoon, he checks out early, he goes, and Friday morning I'm having a coffee at work, and he sits down next to me, and I'm like, oh yeah, that thing last night, I guess, how'd it go? And he just looks at me and he's like, things I did. There's, there's no hope, no like faith or any element of faith in here. Everyone was just broken families, just crying. And I started playing and everyone just melted down, just like so hard. And uh, he just said to me, like, what do I make of this? That's a good question. Where do I go from here? And my conversation kind of with him was part of what became this sermon, which is you just started a relationship with these people. Now go and embody the same radical love, the same radical acceptance, the same radical comfort and compassion that Jesus would have shown these people. Go and do that. <laughs> Super easy. Um, I think that God creates opportunities for us to incarnate and embody the nature, the very love of Jesus in this world. And that's really what I want you to try and do this week and beyond. Be mindful of the opportunity to try and embody this mindset in verse 16, which is start with love, give and be sent in the same way that God loved the world and gave his son and sent him not to condemn but to save the world that's really the message here today um, hope you guys can receive that and apply it and live it and I think we've got another thing so Amen, Amen.